Hello and welcome to today's VJ Hemonk podcast. We are a global open access video journal bringing you the latest in hematological oncology. In this podcast, you will hear from experts who discuss approaches to treating and managing elderly patients with lymphoma. First, Palawi Toka shares some insights into challenges with defining elderly patients in the context of diffuse large B-cell lymphoma and further discusses current treatment options for these patients as well as ongoing clinical trials in this space. This is actually not as easy as it seems because um, there are different age cutoffs that have been used in different trials. Previously, age more than initially age more than 60 was what was used in the IPI score and other scoring systems. For most transplant studies, age more than 65 has been what has been the cutoff. But more recently, I think uh, most experts will agree that age more than 70 is what we traditionally consider um, the age cutoff for DLBCL in older adults. Uh, but you know, it's, it's not really about the chronological age. Um, I think we should have more stress on the biological age. So um, it is important to subject anybody who's uh, over the age of 60 or 65. And we can talk about like based on logistics, what might be the best cutoff, but these patients need to be subjected to a geriatric assessment or any frailty index um, and then classify them into fit, unfit, and frail. And technically, patients who are unfit and frail need something different, but most fit older adults should still be considered young older adults and get whatever their younger counterparts are eligible for. In terms of um, treatment for older adults with diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, I think the time is ripe and we have enough data to not give a blanket recommendations for all older older adults. So I was alluding to this fit, unfit, and frail um, kind of separation of uh, patients above the age of 70. So this is based off a large Italian study that was published in JCO, Journal of Clinical Oncology, a few years back. And what they did was that they used something called a simplified geriatric assessment, which is essentially four things, ADLs, activities of daily living, IADLs, instrumental activities of daily living, a SERS G score, which is the uh, illness uh, score for geriatrics, and age. Um, based on that cutoff, patients can be classified into fit, unfit, and frail. Um, and treatments are decided based on that. So an easy thing to remember is that if somebody is above the age of 80, they are already unfit or frail. Um, and then if people are between 70 and 80, this is very important because um, you the eyeball test is not enough. You see somebody and you think they're fit, but when you actually subject them to formal assessments, even their comorbidities might uh, put them into the unfit category. This is very important because in the study, 50% patients were actually unfit or frail, um, which is not what we would imagine in real life. Um, and what we know is that if somebody is fit up to the age of 80, they should, like I mentioned, get the same treatment as their younger counterparts. So for most patients with advanced stage diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, it would be, globally, it would be RCHOP, rituximab, and CHOP. In the US, we do have polituzumab and RCHOP, which is approved for an IPI score of two to five, so higher risk TLBCL. Um, the good news about this regimen was that um, 
an older patient subgroup analysis that was um, that was um, presented at ASCO recently showed that older adults actually do have similar results. So, so I think this regimen is pretty well tolerated in older adults and should be given in patients who have high risk TLBCL uh, if they're fit. For the unfit or frail patients, with the unfit patients, it's been shown that reducing the doses of RCHOP, so we call it mini RCHOP. Mini RCHOP is the way to go. In frail patients, depends on what's causing the frailty. If it's the disease and the symptoms that are causing the frailty, it's still okay to try curing them with mini RCHOP. But this is an area of big unmet need is um, they do have a lot of side effects with this treatment. So it's uh, we need to do more clinical trials and we need to do more research on our frail patients. Um, in my practice, uh, there is a study called the Polar Beer Study, which is looking at older adults with mini RCHOP versus polatuzumab R-CHIP, mini R-CHIP. So basically they are trying to replicate the Polaric study, but in older adults. So there was some preliminary data at EHA, but I think if I have a patient with higher risk DLBCL, I feel comfortable giving them Pola mini R-CHIP rather than just mini R-CHIP. So those are the nuances in terms of what's available, what's standard of care therapy. The other thing I would like to mention, which is really, really important, is the importance of pre-phase treatment. So that means while you're waiting for these patients to um, uh, get their staging workup and getting situated for their actual chemo, start patients on steroids. Traditionally, we do 100 milligrams of prednisone, but if somebody's diabetic and you know that they're, they're not going to tolerate such high doses of prednisone, even 50 is good. Uh, and uh, a study from MSK, which was led by Richard Lin, it showed that uh, doing even seven days of these pre-phase steroids does reduce um, markers of frailty, such as IL-6 and just a senescence-associated secretory peptide, and uh, it does improve tolerance to subsequent chemotherapy. The other thing is liberal use of growth factors, allopurinol, uh, whatever you need to do to get these patients through, uh, especially in the first cycle, is very, very important. And lastly, I know this was a long-winded answer, but lastly, there is no role for um, CNS prophylaxis in most patients. Most older patients with DLBCL, even, even in our younger patients now, it's become very controversial, but there has been a lot of retrospective data in older adults showing the harm of CNS prophylaxis rather than any benefit. Next, you will hear from Jonathan Friedberg, who discusses unmet needs and promising treatment strategies for elderly patients with Hodgkin lymphoma, and further highlights methods used to classify frailty in this patient population. So Hodgkin lymphoma, as the audience knows, is a highly curable malignancy. Uh, full, more than 80% of patients diagnosed with Hodgkin lymphoma are ultimately cured. Uh, and in fact, outcomes have improved dramatically such that in many situations, we're trying to minimize treatment rather than continue to work to improve efficacy. The one group of patients that's been left behind in the success are the older patients. If you just look at patients over the age of 60, uh, that constitutes up to 20% of patients with Hodgkin lymphoma, and those patients have a markedly inferior outcome. And as the age goes up, the outcome even gets worse, such that patients over the age of 70, um, the survival curve looks much more like a solid tumor survival curve than what you'd normally expect with Hodgkin lymphoma. So uh, the reasons for this are likely several. 
in addition to tolerability of treatment, which is a major issue, for example, using the ABVD regimen, up to 10% of patients in some of the studies over the age of 60 had mortality uh, related to bleomycin lung toxicity. And that's not something that we generally see very frequently in younger patients. So tolerability of treatment is an issue, but so is likely biology of disease. We know that there are some differences. Uh, there's an increased uh, incidence of mixed cellularity subtype. There may be more EBV positivity. And uh, likely as we get enhanced understanding of genetic changes, there are differences there. So the approach to treatment, um, again, relies to some degree on the fitness of the patient. Uh, I think for fit patients, what we've learned is that rather than giving, for example, AVD and brintuximab altogether, a sequential approach of giving brintuximab first, then AVD chemotherapy, and then some brintuximab at the end um, is better tolerated and has at least equal efficacy. Um, however, for the uh, more common scenarios where patients may be unfit or frail as they get older, combination chemotherapy is less likely to be effective um, or tolerated. And in those scenarios, um, there is increased evidence, although preliminary, that early incorporation of either single agent brintuximab, um, doublet combinations, or most recently, the use of checkpoint blockade, either alone or with brintuximab, are very appealing options. It's becoming more and more clear. And as we all get older, we would agree that age is just a number. And that, uh, you know, you can have a 75-year-old patient who um, is incredibly active and likely could tolerate treatments like younger patients, or you could have a 75-year-old patient with multiple comorbidities, possibly dementia and other problems, which could make treatment very, very challenging. So uh, there's been a whole field of oncology called geriatric oncology that's been developed to try to better understand and characterize frailty in older patient populations. And there are a number of different tools out there. Some of them are more cumbersome than others to operationalize in the clinic, but there's some easy ones that simply look at comorbidities and physical function, um, often incorporating a brief questionnaire or timing how long it takes a patient to get out of the chair and walk across the room. And using these tools, you can classify patients as either fit, uh, unfit, or frail. And based on those classifications, that gives us a framework to develop trials and ultimately provide guidelines for treatment. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VJ Hemonk and subscribe to VJ Hemonk Podcasts on Spotify, Apple, and Podbean. Until next time.